One of the things that I do sometimes when I like have spare time at night or whatever is I'll like lie in bed and like basically imagine like playing the show, like the new show that I'm planning. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, and I can see all the lights and I can see like me changing costumes and like I can see the stage with this like new, these new set pieces that I've been like designing and stuff. Um, here I am. Here I am. Literally me on my MacBook, emailing people, <laughs> listening to shit. I'm pretty plugged in. It's really weird because I'm not really speaking to you in front of me, but I have to think of you in front of me because if I don't, then I won't be able to speak to you. How you doing? <laughs> What's up, y'all? This is The Wandering Wolf. I am your humble yet eager to please host, Yoni Wolf. I just got done meditating. I'm not so incredible at it yet. I do still sort of... And if you hear, there's like things go... I don't know what's going on outside, but I think there's like backhoes driving down the the freaking Champs-Elysees or or, uh, Hamilton Avenue or whatever uh, outside. I'm in Cincinnati. That's where I live. And uh, yeah, so if you, I apologize for those sounds. Did get done the meditation, it, you know, I do the 20 minutes, I set the timer, I'm there silently breathing uh, for 20 minutes and, and repeating this mantra. I start doing that and then I, I it, it dwindles into no mantra, which uh, is what Russell Simmons, if you don't know who Russell Simmons is, Def Jam recordings, he uh, and one Rick Rubin started basically hip-hop I, I i can't say that you know that's not probably a correct thing to say but but they 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 elevated hip-hop to another level okay he has a book about meditation and uh yeah so i've been trying it after i listened to that book i i do still think too much when i'm in that but you know what i'm going to keep doing it if any of you are a guru and and want to uh work me into your program you can hit me up and uh, I, I'll gladly be a student of yours. The Wandering Wolf Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can donate to that on PayPal. You can tell me all kinds of things about your life or my life or what I need to do uh, in my production of this show. So, yeah, I, did, I am freshly returned from New York City. I was there for about a week. I spent a couple days uh, with our guest today. Ella Yelich O'Connor. If you don't know who she is, what rock have you been cowering under? You know, you've been sitting there in an armchair darning socks, uh, you know, listening to radio plays or something like that. I don't know what year or century you're living in. Uh, I, I don't know how wide my Amish listenership is or Mennonite listenership, uh, but for those of you who are that, I understand or even you chassids and whatnot, you know, you have, if you have a plan where you're not supposed to watch the TV and you're not supposed to listen to the radio or read newspapers and things like that, I understand and I 
more than back your whole thing that you're doing. That's fine. But for the rest of you, I'm sure you know who Lord is, right? I assume. If not, she had like the biggest song of the year last year with Royals. We'll never be royal. Oh, that, is, that was bad. That was bad. But you know what I mean. Uh, you know that song. Okay. She's here today talking. We are more than proud to have her. So we we spent a couple days. How did you, yo, Yoni, what the fuck? Who are you? How did you meet this? Per, how are you meeting all these like really famous people? Now, what had happened was I started getting all these tweets saying that Lord, who I didn't know who that was at the time, quotes a line from a Y song. Y is, is my band, if you don't know. It was enough that it, it made me take notice. Enough people mentioned that to me. And then my sister-in-law played me the Lord album. And sure enough, there, there is a line from a song that uh, is pretty, pretty damn similar. So, so I says, you know, maybe she, uh, maybe she knows who we are. Maybe she quoted us on purpose. So I hit up her Tumblr, and sure enough... She did know who we are. So apologize for the sirens outside. I, I live in an up-and-coming neighborhood, all right? All, all the backhoes, the, 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 the drills, the, the jackhammering, the sirens. It's all just part of the ambiance, okay? Dig it. So she says, yeah, you know, that she is, she is a fan of the, of the band. She quoted it on purpose. So we talked from then on uh, about the possibility of doing some kind of collaboration. We were both, both uh, into it. Of course, she is extremely busy, so it took a while for us to get around to it. But finally, last week, we got into the studio, and I didn't know whether she was going to show up with a huge entourage of people and it was going to be awkward and, you know, her managers were going to be, like, careful about everything that we did or, you know, something like that. I didn't know. I thought I was prepared for whatever. But no, she showed up, and it was just her and I and our engineer, Eli Cruz, who, who mixed uh, a couple of albums for me back in the day, so I, I know him quite well. And, um, you know, it, it was a good, good time, intimate, relaxed time. Of course, it's always a challenge to, to write something on the spot like that, but uh, she rose to the challenge, and I rose to the challenge, and, and uh, I think we came up with something cool. And it, I, t- I tell you, it is, it is just a wild thing working with someone uh, of that caliber. And I don't mean that like she's not, you know, I've worked with musicians that have perfect pitch and, and, and stuff like that. She's not that. She's not like a theory freak or anything like that. She doesn't really play an instrument so much. It's just a natural ability. You put her on the mic, you put her in front of a mic and I don't want to make, if you're listening, Ella, don't listen to this little part because it's going to make you self-conscious and question things. But you put her on a mic and she just channels something. I, it's just there. And I don't think it's a conscious thing. I think it's just an ingrown, natural thing. She is in a, a born diva. And I don't mean that like she's, you know, making you tease out only the yellow and brown M&Ms or something like that or, or requesting you know, four, 14 and a half humidifiers uh, for her plaza hotel room via room keeping or anything like that. It's just that she, she has it. She has it. 
you know? And she made me rise to the occasion. And I like that. I like the pressure of someone coming in and challenging me to do my best because I feel like I can come with it. I have a certain, uh, I don't know what it is inside of me. And I'm not saying I'm a natural diva because I'm not. It's all work for me, and I'm not, I'm not a perfect pitch guy. I'm not a, a genius on any instrument or anything like that. But I have a lust for life, and recording for me is it. I love recording. I love writing. It's rare that I feel, like, that I feel pushed like that. So I thank her for that. And I, I'm now I'm fiending to do more work with her. And I hope it can happen at some point. You know, we'll see. That'll all depend on her schedule and whether she actually liked working with me or not, which is, I think she did. I hope so. So, all right, let's get into this conversation. It's really candid. You know, you don't normally hear someone on this level of fame speaking in such a candid way. So that was a real treat. And I think you're going to find it to be a real treat. If you're, if you're, if you're Lord listeners, uh, you don't know who the fuck I am. And you're like, who is this guy? Well, you're going to enjoy this nonetheless, even if so far you're questioning who the hell I am. That's fine. So with no further ado, let's get into this conversation with Ella Yelich O'Connor. One of the questions that I like to ask people who have to perform a lot is A, whether or not they get nervous and B, whether or not um, they feel like they, when they walk off stage, they've just stepped out of a dream or something. Right. Like, like I perform four or five shows a week and I get like seriously nervous. Like You probably, get nervous before? Oh yeah, big time. And like sometimes even on stage. Usually it goes yeah. away, but like I reckon I spend of each of those performing days, three hours, like really nervous. And what I wonder what that does to a person. And on top of that... To your, you mean to your physical body? Yeah, and just like mentally... Like, I wonder if I'll ever wake up and it'll kick in habitually, even if I'm not playing the show. That you'll start to feel nervous? Like, you get used to feeling nervous? Yeah, because it's such a strange thing, and it's so um, all-consuming, you know? But then I think about, as well, being on stage and, like, like looking off to side of stage and seeing your friend, and it's like a shock, you know? I mean, not for you, maybe, because you don't get nervous, but... If they I feel like two such it, I'm not separate. impermeable to nerves. I, I sometimes do, but... I... There's such separate spheres for me. And, like, only now am I starting to, like, look over at someone and be like, oh, it's not so weird that they're in my kind of sphere right now. But even so, like, when I step off stage, I feel like I'm stepping into cold water or something like that. How, how so different? So, so you mean that do you feel like you're a different person on stage? Yeah, I mean, there's that, but I think it's just such a such a strange environment for a human to be in. To like, be stared at by all those people? To be stared at by all those people and to have every gesture magnified and to have every word hung off and just, like, it's, it's like you on, on steroids, you know? It's the you that you want people to see. And I think if you're doing that every night and you spend almost more of your life in that setting than 
in private. Like, I wonder what that does to you as right. a person, you know what like I mean? When, you mean when you get in private, when you're just living your, like, quote-unquote normal life. Which <laughs> yeah. At that point, your normal life has become doing shows four or five days. Yeah. So hab- habitually, that's what you're... Yeah, I just, like, I wonder what it what it does. And also because, like, I know I get off stage and, like, go to bed or whatever. And, and like, you can kind of hear it still like it's those like top frequencies that you've lost when you played or something but but i just like you mean just physically you're hearing yeah well physically but i um but i always think of that as like the last crumb of all those people like for some reason like i think of them all condensed down tiny and like all still in that room like like in a movie they would just add a a reverb tail to the end of the crowd yeah, hearing. and that reverb tale is with me in my bedroom forever. at night when I'm like, yeah, forever. You'll have the collection of all reverb tales of all concerts you've ever played. <laughs> of all audiences, yeah. of all time. Yeah. That, so, it's wild. But now when you look off and see a friend, is it, is it, you're saying you're getting used to it and starting, is it comforting at all? It's comforting. It's, I mean, it's not like I need comforting on stage because I really enjoy it and it's like, it can be quite... Um, therapeutic for me to be in that setting and it makes me feel okay about a lot of things things that I was like you know worried about before but um like what <laughs> I don't know like well like there's a lot of stuff when you like are new famous that is like weird or scary that you're just like not used to like having lived your life as a regular person for a long time stuff that's new or scary that when you get on stage, you don't feel that stuff? Well, I feel like it's just, it's incredibly comforting to be with all these people who care about you and care about what you're doing and right. um, can relate to your um, your concerns in some way, I guess. like They're co-signing you as a human being. They're co-signing you as a human being and they're letting you know that they're there for you which is like like yeah just like the most intense awesome therapy that anyone could ever have but now when I look side of stage I feel like I'm like I smile at someone I'm they're like beckoned into my world in a way like I'm welcoming them into that situation right, it's really strange i mean you're the one everybody's looking at, at that <laughs> yeah, point. You're I, the, the... and on stage is literally it's me i mean i have two band guys but yeah. there's no one else like filling that space so it's yeah you're you're quite... you're creating the mood and the and the feeling in the environment mm. you're transforming the space into your psyche more or less yeah and 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 exact that's i mean that's the other thing like i'm a super visual person and i have synesthesia so i see a lot and Colors really? and yeah, yeah. See, you might be more into this aura <laughs> shit this than you think you are. This aura massage that we were talking about before. Yeah. Um. Who knows? I've just I've had it since I was a kid. But um. When I I'm, think that's a spiritual gift. That's no, what, it's not. That's what it's I think. It's annoying because sometimes I'm like making a song and I really like it, but the color is so ugly that I, and it's so loud in my head that I have to stop. <laughs> I think that's a spiritual gift. I'll say it again. <laughs> but anyway, what I was saying is the way I perform is quite physical and quite like I would call it thrashing there's a lot of like intense like arm movements hip movements um but in the beginning because I was so intimidated by 
all that space and I was so aware of the fact that it was just me having to fill it I saw those movements as kind of like colors or shapes that like I could physically see in the air after I did them like when you like wave a sparkler or something and you can see it afterwards. The tracers, the trails. Yeah, I could, yeah. I could, I could actually see it. And that to me was comforting. And so now when I, when I look at people, I'm kind of, it's not as like vivid anymore, but I, it's like a haze. Like I'm aware of the fact that I've like created a vibe, like you said, or like, yeah. like literally like a physical vibe. And so I can see those people and it's like, you know, we've like shared something because they've, you, you you see their color having changed from no I just like I see I see them and I like smile at them because they have been there while I've been making that space my space you yeah know? like we've shared something because of that I guess do you feel um, two things one do you feel like do you feel like you do you get into a trance in a way on stage or are you still always aware of sort of what's going on um in the room i and we can use trance loosely like. yeah <laughs> um i think i'm aware of what it really depends it i i've definitely felt um, I've forgotten that I was in that environment before, which for me is a triumph because it's so, um, for a long time it was so, it felt, not forced, but it felt terrifying for me to be in that environment. So it wasn't like somewhere where I could be comfortable, but now I will like go for a while and I'll just be like, oh, I was just having a really good personal dance party and all these people right. happen to be here, which is kind of awesome. Yeah, I, I feel like, well, the other half of my question is, is, do you feel like while you're up there, you have a responsibility to to anyone in the audience or anyone in the in the building? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm sure you know about this. Well, like, it's different for me now because I, when I started out, people were paying $5, $10 for a ticket, which is amazing and, like, how I wish it could be. Um, but you know, a lot of the shows I play now are festivals where I know people have paid hundred, two hundred dollars a ticket, or it's one of my shows. And like now, there are certain things that I bring to the show, which like take a truck to bring around or whatever. You know, like right. it's stuff that costs money, so I have right. to charge people a little more. And I can feel the expectation of someone who's like saved their pocket money to come, you know, so I definitely feel um, that I owe it to them to give them something that, not that, like, that experience can be, like, you, that you can put a price on it, but that their, their saving was justified. Because I remember right. being in that place, you know, and, like, saving up to, like, go to Grizzly Bear or whatever. Right, <laughs> and you don't want to walk away from it feeling like, oh, I wish it was longer, oh, I, I wish it was, like, more... Yeah, I mean... Like, also because I meet so many of them now that I... So many of the kids who go to my shows, and a lot of them are... Where do you meet them? What do you mean you meet them? Oh, well, like after, a meet like and after greet the after? Yeah. No, I don't, I don't do meet and greets, but okay. I just go out after the show. And okay. Anyone who's waiting, I say hi to. And I do, like, I, I'll wait until I've seen everyone. Wow. That. It, like, That's exhausting. I mean, it's like... 
an hour, an hour and a half of my time. Yeah. And it's so, like, it's so important to them. And they've yeah. come to the show, you know, it's like, and, and it's, it's, it's energizing for me, like, getting to meet all these people who have either been inspired to do something or to, like, be more proactive about trying to grab that goal because they've seen someone similar to their age doing the same um, so you you have a lot a lot of people tell you a lot of stuff like that, like how much you've inspired them to do this or that? Yeah, or just like them being like like I meet a lot of girls who are really ambitious and really confident and really talented, but they felt embarrassed about being that way because people love to make ambitious people feel embarrassed about it. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, I'm pretty um, unashamedly, like, <laughs> I don't know, I'm, like, I, I'm my own boss, and I do everything myself, and I'm really proud of that, and I work really hard, and I'm really proud of that, so it's cool that, like, these girls are, like, you know, I feel cool about, like, working really hard in school, and, like, having a really specific goal, and, like, wanting to do cool shit. Do you- Speaking of that stuff, have you always been that way? Did does your mom tell you like, yeah, when you were a baby, you were mm. like, when did that develop then? Well, like wanting to do this, or like just, just like being a driven person, being like hyper driven. Well, to be honest, for a long time, I just kind of fucked around because I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I didn't. You know didn't if- fuck around for that long. <laughs> <laughs> You're only seventeen. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, there was a time, I think it was like, well, also I just like screwed around in school for a long time. Basically, as soon as I left primary school, which was like age 10 or 11, I just like... You were not a good student after that? Well, I mean, I was a good student, but I did the bare minimum to do well, if that makes sense. Oh, I had one good teacher after that. She was amazing. But then like high school... I just could not have cared because like no one cares about extending you in public high school. They just want you to like do the class and not complain. Right. Um, What's ex- what do you mean extending you? Well, like, you know, I like was in English class and in, in third form or fourth form and being like, can we read something which is not on the syllabus for 13 year olds? And the teachers are like, mm. I see. I stick see. to stick to what they're doing. Stick yeah. To, like, yeah. I don't know. You wanted to go was. outside of that. You are. Yeah. And like, I wanted to just do things. And you did on your own. I'm sure. Way. Right. Yeah. I mean, I did, but like, if you really want to be extended in a school setting, you don't want like heaps more work, but I would find other ways of doing it. I would like, like my sister would get an assignment and she's three years older than me. And I would, do my own version of that and like um my mom's friend I I I mean I edited my mom's creative writing thesis when I was 14 which was cool because I really edited her her (laughs) creative writing for college she was in college yeah this is a master's okay um I just I I really love editing manuscripts it's like my favorite I love it so much because I I'm like a freak with knowing like all grammar and all spelling Nice. Because I've been reading for a long time, so yeah. I know very clearly what is right and what is wrong, and a lot of adults like don't know that. Because <laughs> they, they're too far away from having taken phonics? Um, no, I think just like, it's just like you have to consume a lot of 
writing like quite early on for it to be really natural. Right. Um, but yeah, anyway, no, that was just a side note. I did that and it was fun. Um, and that was like a thing that, I don't know, kind of challenged me or like kept me busy. But um, yeah, I was like 14 and just like was kind of involved in with my record company, but like they had me on development and I just didn't care about it. I hadn't written any songs that I liked. So what they kept, they left you alone. Cause I heard the story. You're 12. You did a talent show. Yeah, it was, I did like a, they picked me up because I, they thought I could sing. Um, and I couldn't write, but they were like, just, you know, mess around with a couple people, see how you like it. And I just like, could not have cared less. Um, and, they were and giving we, you songs to sit, to sing? No, they were, um, they were putting me with people, but it like, just wasn't really clicking. Um, and I was just like bombing out in school and just like, just would come home on the weekends and just like, just be a teenage blob and just do nothing and just like go to my friends houses and just be really naughty and then my mom gave me an ultimatum and she was like you need three goals that I want to see you have worked towards by the end of the year and I think one of them was um uh, the first one was put out some music okay um because I hadn't put out any music I think I said so you were at this point. You were not ambitious. You're you're no doing bad at school, and you're. Well, and you're I mean, yeah, I I was 13, doing, 14 at the time. I was doing bad in school. Yeah. I failed my worst subject, my best subject, which is English, because I was a smartass and I just wanted to do things the wrong way. Right. <laughs> I was awful. I would have been so difficult to do it. But yeah, and the other one was like, one was like join a gym, and the other one was like get a part time job or something, and then like, like. Two weeks later, I met Joel, my co-writer, and we had, like, a really awkward first writing session. But then we had another one, and then we had another one, and then I was like, oh, fuck, like, this is so What was, it, what was so awkward amazing. about the first session? Oh, I mean, I was just, like, so painfully shy. Yeah. And, like, because, like, sharing lyrics with anyone is awkward, but I was so shy because I'd never shared anything with anyone. Yeah. Um, and it just, but I don't you, know. To- you, you told the label at this point, like I'm writing lyrics. Oh no. So, oh, so by then they knew that I was writing lyrics okay. because I'd, I'd done a couple of songs with other people, but, but they had, I didn't think that, that, well that they were cool. Something. Well, yeah. I, I mean, they weren't like, I wanted to make electronic music and these people weren't really electronic musicians. They were doing like band, more band stuff. Yeah. They were just like simple demos, but also like. I don't know, I feel like Joel, when I met Joel, he was 20, 27 or 28, um, and I was 14 or 15, and and he's quite kind of, he's quite a youthful person, and it just felt kind of, I felt more kinship with him than I had with other people that I'd written with, but, um, but yeah, and it, like when we started doing it, and I, I hadn't realised how great it was to you write got, songs. I, I was like, oh shit, like this is like scarily amazing. Like yeah. I just like fell real hard, real fast. Yeah. And then like since then, when I, cause when I was 15, I started, I think I started working with Joe. I was just on the cusp of turning 15. Okay. And then, um, I turned 15. That's so fucking, Crazy. Shut up, man. <laughs> it is though. No, it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. None of that stuff. It's like, yeah. I mean, 
I hear you, but I'm just, I think about what I was doing when I was 14 years old. And it's like, yeah, but it's like, just smoking pot up a tree, with, <laughs> you know, a bunch of guys eating pizza. Like. <laughs> it's just a, like, it's just a timeline, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the widow's 15. And like, obviously, I was still in school, so I had to do it in my school holidays, go to the studio. So it's been two weeks every. Like ten or eleven weeks, okay. In studio, would um, you dream about it during school? Oh, for like, sure, I would yeah. dream about it, and I would like kind of tell my friends because I was so psyched that this is what I got to do, and none of them cared. Did they know you had like this, <laughs> this development deal? They did, but I'd had it for such a long time that they were just like, and I hadn't, you know, obviously it was not impressive in any way. So right. they were like whatever. It was like, like an imaginary friend. Yeah, they were kind of <laughs> like, it's. I mean, it's really good for you, Ella. Yeah. Good, like. That's awesome, but they didn't think anything would come of it. Right. But yeah, it was just like holding out for being in studio. And like, and that was my whole holidays gone. Like, looking back, I'm like, shit, I must have really wanted to do it. Um, but yeah, so we had a session in, I think it was April for two weeks. And that, like, one of the songs we got from that ended up going on the first EP that I put out, and that was kind of. So you did a bunch of songs before the, oh, we did the a Love bu- Club EP yeah, that, we did that a bunch didn't of go anywhere? Yeah, we did. We okay. did quite a few songs. Just to get a feel for each other, kind of? Yeah, well, like, I remember there was one week where we just did a song every day in a different style. That's dope. Um, yeah, and like, but also Joel was um, super new as an electronic producer and still like figuring out the ropes. So a lot of the yeah. stuff that we would do in the beginning, like you can hear both of our greenness and then we, like, slowly come into our own. And these days, like, Joel is such a good producer. Like, so smart. He's great, so yeah. good at it. Um, but, yeah, so we did a session in April, and one of those songs was cool. My manager really liked it, and they were like, we should go in. Which and one was that that went on the EP? It's it's called Million Dollar Bills. But it's, like, yeah. it's it's the one to me that I'm like, this is the most juvenile. Right. But it was cool because we did it. The demo was all vocals. So right. it was, like, fun oh, for us oh, at the time. Oh, oh, <laughs> But um, but it was good. It was a good starting point. And so then we did, I think it was in June, we did Royals and Bravado and Biting Down, and then the Love Club came later. So you did Royals with that batch of stuff? Yeah, I did Royals and Bravado and Biting Down all in the same week. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That that's a that was a mighty week. <laughs> it was pretty productive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, I mean, I had so much time to like build up material that I had like literally three, like pretty perfect lyric sheets that <laughs> I was like really happy with. I love Biting Down. That's Thank a you. great song. Feels So once you had that EP, not I don't want to go over shit like that you might have like <laughs> no, said okay. in like interviews. I don't consider so this to be an interview. Um, <laughs> but you, but I'm curious. So after that, 
after you guys finished that, was it just on after that? The label took it and they were like, okay, no. this is it. No. no. So, um, I was very, um, I was protective about how I put it out because I wanted, I'm a big fan of like online cleanliness. So like just have like a super simple website and you go to a Twitter and there's an Instagram of the same name and a Tumblr of the same name and a SoundCloud of the same name, you know, and everything is just like really concise. Um, and like, I wanted it to be mysterious at the beginning. There were no photos of me out for like the first six months. Um, because I like wanted to be this like, like SoundCloud girl who just like no one knew what they looked like, like Burial, That's which cool. never would have, which never yeah. would have been cool though. I mean, it's cool for people like Burial, but like seventeen year old girls. I think it's cool for a minute at least. You it's know, cool for a minute. It yeah. was cool. It was cool because that's like female musicians don't traditionally do that. But um, no, I realized later that like the kids who were looking up to me and who were inspired by me needed to put a face to it. You know, and needed like to see that I was like you're one of them. You're just like a fucking like regular yeah. like loser <laughs> with like acne and shit. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, like, really, like, held off on it for a while and, like, got my friend to design a website, and he also drew this portrait of me. Um, With the holding the animal? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. he drew that, Sam cool. Young, he's amazing. Um, and, like, I got all the social networks set up and stuff, and, um, yeah, it took a while. And But I really wanted to put it up before I turned 16. It meant such a lot to me to do that, okay. because I'd written it at 15, you know? Right. Um, so you thought about so it, but in, it, yeah. in, in in this is an interesting thing for me because you're of a different generation mm. and like um, it's and you did it in the, in the right way obviously <laughs> and like you know I wouldn't have thought about all I was like oh, okay just put out the album and then we'll figure which out is that good, social though, media which I like, shit later but. no like I love that people can be free like that but I you know haven't grown up very much. In and around the internet, yeah, and like that, like and being inspired by a lot of musicians who were very internet, and that whole thing meaning a lot to me, and just also being like a, um, a bit of a neat freak, yeah. Like it was just really important to me that it all kind of happened at the right time, which ended up being super. Um, I think the tone of that very first kind of release helped to um, helped to convince people that it wasn't like. I mean, like, I have a record label and stuff, but it wasn't, like, just, like, a weird, super marketed, like, label-y Right. Thing. I mean, I think the music speaks for itself on that, but you think the, the that... I just think in the beginning... That, the like, internet stuff did. Well, no, like, like... Because in New Zealand, it's quite hard to just become a thing. Like, I hadn't really seen that happen to anyone else. And, like... Like, I remember putting it out and having 500 Facebook fans in the first night. Yeah. Like, that initial growth is because of the tone of... Of the social of, media. Of, well, I mean, not just social media, but just, like, the release in general. Okay. Because, like, it didn't... Obviously, it didn't have a physical CD. All that stuff is as important as packaging on a CD, you know? Okay. Or, like, yeah. like a band T-shirt or whatever. Like, that sort of thing helped to really... Like cemented for people quite early on, which was cool. 
So you're you're hyper aware of everything that surrounds the context of everything that goes into your music. Oh yeah. You're telling me earlier all the visuals for your live show, like the visuals for any award show, (laughs) any of that shit. You have the idea for, and you know it works through your lens. Yeah, just because I think that people, like I know I am a big consumer of all things pop culture and I make really fast decision decisions on whether or not I think people are cool or whether or not I p- think people are real or whatever, you know. It's like um, I compare it to when you are watching a movie and within that movie there's like a news report and you can tell when you're watching that news report that it's fake. Right. And you don't know why, but you just do because you've seen a million news reports in your life and you just know what is real and what is fake. Right. And, like, I don't know, I just... It was important to me not to be that fake news report. Yeah. So, right, so everything (laughs) that surrounds it gives it the platform of of what it is rather than, like, a false expectation of what it might be or some marketed approach to... Yeah, and, like, the other thing I think is with all that stuff, like, like... everything nothing was like perfect when I first started doing it there's definitely stuff I look back on that I'm like oh that could have been done cooler or like you know my first run of merch like because I did all the designs I'm like you know that could have been cooler but I kind of like that you can see it all actually developing as opposed to like some team having done everything really well from the beginning it was literally me figuring out by trial and error like what worked what looked cool what people liked and like Streamlining it. So when you did the album, were they was the label like upset or weirded out that you weren't going to be like on the cover and stuff like that? <laughs> um, no, I mean the the awesome thing about being in New Zealand is they were super. They were like an indie, like they just didn't care. Okay, about okay, so they. About stuff I see. Like that. And I it see. wasn't until I like kind of came to like came to the US and had that market to deal with because it's a whole different market. They were like stressing out about things that I had never even considered because because my label was so open-minded and just like I think had realized that what I was doing seemed to be working so they're like we'll just let her do it so but I, I okay so you say you put the stuff out and it felt like even though you did have this label deal you did kind of put the EP out yourself almost I put the, the EP out myself okay. I, I went to the promotions department at by record label and I said don't touch it don't send it to any radio. Don't do anything with it. I want it to grow naturally and before, organically. Before they come in with that yeah, shit? Yeah, no, I said, no, I said, don't. Yeah. Don't do anything because I'll know. Like, New Zealand's small enough that you're yeah. going to know. Um, and I was in control of the email account um, that was, you know, that was the only point of contact that you could see in regard to the project. And right. I was the only administrator on the Facebook, so I could see all the dialogue coming in. Um, and, and it was so interesting that it literally just grew because of people sending it to other people and I could see it playing out in real time. Like, (laughs) what do you think people were connecting to initially? I mean, you had all your, all the context, right. But ultimately it came down to like someone actually sitting through and listening to the EP Mm. and being like. I'm going to tell my friend about this. What do you, what do you think in your mind people connected to? 
Well... Or have people told you? I mean, when I listen to it, I'm just like, this is, like, fun pop music with, like, quirky lyrics. Well, not, like, I hate the word quirky, but, like, lyrics that you, like, would be like, oh, that's, like, kind of a weird way of saying it or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think people would just kind of... um, like, came for the fun pop melodies and stayed for the, like, weird use of <laughs> lingo. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, it was, like, and, and you, like, you go back and look at everything that happened to me in the first achievements of mine were, like, being number one on the Spotify viral, which is, like, share people sharing. It's, like, right. the number of shares, okay. person-to-person shares, or, like, like being like the number one Shazammed song, okay. like and all that stuff is crazy to me. And like now I'm just remembering all of this stuff. Um, in New Zealand, the the EP had been out for a little while, and when you say um, out, you still you still don't you still mean the label hasn't fucked with it. It wasn't on iTunes. Okay, it was on SoundCloud, and I was encouraging people to rip it off SoundCloud. Yeah, <laughs> and the label hasn't fucked with it, and um, the promotions department is just sitting there not doing anything. And just watching the just watching, watching the, the likes roll in or whatever. Watching, yeah. Um, and I didn't have any videos or anything. Um, and and slowly there was like one really cool radio station, which is like an underground electronic station in New Zealand, who was playing it and like was a really early supporter. Um, and, but they and just got it on their own and decided they got it on their own. Yeah, and we're really into it. And so it was like. It went number one on that radio station, which was awesome, for quite a few weeks. And then there's the college radio station. There are literally, like, ten radio stations in the whole of New Zealand. Right. And there are four which are important. Right. Five. One's, like, talk back. Um, And so the college radio gets it. College radio is really into it. They make it number one. Now the college radio wouldn't dream of getting a Lord's on. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's really funny. But so yeah, so but it's you doing... sold out in the meantime. <laughs> yeah, I'm a fucking asshole <laughs> now. <laughs> Fuck yeah. that girl. Yeah. No. Um, so yeah, so it's like doing really well there, and I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Um, and then the the mainstream radio, the pop radio, is like like thinking about playing it, but they're like, no, it's like a little unknown. It like doesn't. It's not going to make sense. People aren't going to understand it. Um, and it literally, they were just overwhelmed by 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 public demand and public pressure and they had to play it which, which they didn't want to play it which song, <laughs> which is amazing which song was playing on all these different stages is it the same song playing on everything no well it was a mix people were playing everything okay um we the label this was like the one thing that i had no idea about the label were like royals is the single okay I was so like, okay so royals I was, like, is was initially it? On, I don't know. on the love club ep yeah royals okay. was on the okay. love club ep i was like I, are you sure i don't know because i didn't know anything about singles and they were like yes the label just, just they yeah, they you, can, you know. But um but New Zealand radio were playing everything. But then it got to the point where it, it was number one on all four like full pop, the one that's like pop but like slightly rock tinged, and then the mm-hmm. college and then the electronic. It was number one on all those formats, which in New Zealand is like completely unheard of. And to me was really interesting because like I could see my own email inbox. I could see everything that was happening and I knew that it was only because like all of these people were saying, play it, play it, play it, play it, play it. Right. And like the way that radio works, that is... It wasn't the payola system, whatever that (laughs) probably normally happens. It wasn't people going in and like promising a new car or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
which is like kind of reassuring to me about the state of pop music that like weird things like that could still I don't happen. think it's always like that I think you're, <laughs> I think you're an anomaly there probably well I don't know about that I think it's happening more and more these days maybe that, like, weird things are slipping I hope through. so yeah um so when were you like all right the label can step in with just on the album no I I don't like I'm just hang on I'm trying to think so I let the promo guys like kind of start handling some stuff just like fielding calls and stuff because people were like we want to we wanted to be in our magazine or whatever and I was like I was so tight on press yeah any press I was like it needs to be the perfect publication I'm only doing two things in six months like right. I just it was really important to me that I didn't oversaturate which now is kind of <laughs> like there are like a patrillion think pieces on me. Yeah. But that was like once it came to the States. Back in New Zealand, like I was able to to control it and I did like like three radio interviews in the last like honestly, like in the year. Like, okay. Even now I've done like I did one new um magazine in New Zealand. I did one T V thing and I did Either three or four radio pieces. Why? Why That's are it. you holding out on on New Zealand press? Um, because a lot goes along. Uh, a little bit goes a long way there. Like one magazine is read by like most of the public population. Right. Oh, and the other thing I did is I wrote a piece for the okay. main like Sunday about what paper, which is about like being a musician in twenty thirteen, <laughs> like it. and like being me in twenty thirteen and yeah being a female in 2013 and being a musician and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, like it was cool that I could keep it that tight over there. It was fun. And then when you came here, the floodgates opened. Well, here it's different because you have to treat every state like a different country pretty much. It's so difficult to break something in that way. And like in New Zealand, I like was still operating on the belief that, one radio station serves like 10 cities yeah you know or like the whole country even like you can do that and be covered right here it's like you know the whole network of radio here is so much more rigid if you don't have radio play you it's going to be very difficult for you i mean as a pop artist anyway to do anything that's a big part of sales and all that sort of thing of course in yeah. other parts of the world it's much more fluid and like right like in New Zealand, how radio was dictated by what people thought. Here, it's like you got to do the interview, and then they'll play it, and then people like it, and they play it more. But it's, it's that initial thing. It's, it's like, it is hard here, and I think it's a lot more corporate here than than super. elsewhere. Like you oh, have, for sure. like in England, you have the BBC stations and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and those, you know, it's borderline socialist or whatever. <laughs> so that it feel, you know, I mean, it it, it feels like the, it's what the people want. Mm. You know. I have a yeah, BBC's cool. That has a show on the BBC. Mm. She plays whatever the fuck she wants. Yeah, you know it's what I mean? rad. Like, I know. You love know, sitting in there. Yeah, which is crazy. It's very. We'll yeah. get our shit together here one day. Yeah, it's very. No, we won't. More likely, the rest of the world will. will no, no, you screw will because up. the whole world has to get its shit together because there's Spotify now. There's like in Sweden, something like I don't know the number, but like a huge portion of their 
music revenue is from Spotify. Really? Like, yeah, it's gotten to the point where who, that though? is king. Are you making money on Spotify? You're making something on Spotify. I'm not having a shit on Spotify. I don't, well, no, it's but it's it's because at the it's at the point in Sweden where no one buys physical CDs anymore. Right. No right. one buys. It's all about Spotify. That's where all the money, like everyone uses. But do we it, have which to- is like the perfect? Like it's like the way they. It's it's the it's the inner perfect world. Like it doesn't work like that everywhere else. But do is is it does it come to a point where artists have to get like b- more royalties from Spotify or something like that? You think to be able to? I mean, obviously CDs are out and all that in yeah. general. Yeah. Not just in Sweden. I mean, <laughs> not just in Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I I mean, if if artists make more money off Spotify, then people are going to have to pay more to use Spotify, which means that less people are going to use Spotify. Or Spotify will have to take a, le- a lesser cut. Yeah, or that. I think I think that musicians are just kind of coming to the realization that they have to do other shit if they want to make money. Like, like be a waiter. A <laughs> no, well, like touring. Yeah. Or like, I don't know, like merch is a big one for a lot yes. of artists. Or, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, touring is a big one. But, you know, like I'm sure you've realize that i have well like i have a question for you yes please have you noticed a big difference compared to like like the earlier days of the band like in terms of kind of physical sales was that like a big thing for you guys absolutely yeah i mean yes like like at the beginning of 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 my career like you could pretty much make a living now i you know i had a very meager needs as as, you know when i was younger but i could make a living pretty much without doing live shows just on selling selling records that's amazing i mean and it's not like i was selling tons of records i mean you know i was definitely selling tons of records no i was not i was not (laughs) like i said i was living very very cheaply but you know i could i could make it work without really doing shows now, wow. um, you know, I have a house and a whatever, whatever now. Um, so I have more expenses, but I really, I have to tour, you know what I mean? To, mm. to make a living, which is fine. I like touring. Yeah. But, um, you know, and I don't have the, I think the, probably the way, and I'm talking to you, but you, you, you know, you, you got this stuff figured out a lot more than I do, you know, but the, is all that uh, the licensing stuff too for songs? I think. Oh right. Right, because that's like. I mean, I don't even think that stuff is that good money. It's not. It's I don't. Not, I don't like, really know. It's I don't, not great. You'd be okay, surprised. Okay. Keep touring. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, I'm not. I will keep touring, but but and the, the merch. So yeah, selling T-shirts and this sort of thing. Yeah. Helps a lot. I yeah. think. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's like. But I did feel that to answer your question. Mm. Yes, we felt the we felt the wane of the of mm. the uh industry yeah and like i think that people are just kind of figuring out that there are other ways to like be successful in this industry like there are other things you have to um you have to do you have to kind of not just think about how you exist as a musician you have to think about like the different you as a brand, you mean? Ugh, I mean, I don't want to. I know it's a terrible, like, it's disgusting way to think. Feel, like very gross. But that's essentially what you're saying, though. Well, not. So, I mean, 
here's here's the other thing. I only think you should think about yourself in other spheres that are not music if those things are appealing to you. Like for right. me, I really enjoy doing things that are not just me. Like I like what? Well, like for example, doing the Hunger Games soundtrack. Something like that is really enjoyable to me. Right. So and I'm not doing it because I'm like explain ah. what it is you're doing. So you're 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 curating. <laughs> so I am the. I don't know what the title they gave me is. It's like sole executive producer and curator or something. But basically... So fucking cool. <laughs> why, why did they ask you? Because you, you're like, you're a young lady and it's about a young lady. Um, Not to say why did they ask you. Obviously you're... No, no. It's, it's fucking weird that they, yeah. that they could... That someone... That a huge movie studio would be like, we're going to go to a 17-year-old and ask them to be responsible for our music sales for right. this movie. Like... That's people. But they hire, know they know you have taste. People though. hire very talented, very expensive sure. companies, music teams supervisor of, yeah, people, teams yeah. of supervisors to do that. And yeah. it's literally me yeah. on my MacBook, emailing people, yeah. <laughs> listening to shit. Um, no, but they, yeah, they. My, I have an awesome publisher um, who is an independent um, and who's just really cool and really good. And he was like, "Would this be something you'd be interested in?" Um, and I think originally they asked me to just do the song, like the the single from it. Um, so you did you did one for la- the last one. I did. I I recorded that song for a different movie actually, okay. um, and it didn't end up going in that movie. And then uh, the Hunger Games really wanted it, and I was like, oh, you know, it's like it's like it's fun, it's cool. Um, and so I, so I gave it to them. But yeah, so they. They they initially asked if I wanted to do the the single and then um, my publisher was like you know she would love to she'd love to curate it like she so he pitched the idea I think so okay. yeah I think so um, and I was really psyched on that idea because the films are very like youth centric mm-hmm. and also because the characters are really kind of weird for a teen blockbuster they're like they're impulsive and they're angry and they make bad decisions and mm-hmm. they like suffer the consequences they, yeah they suffer the consequences and they like are really confused and will just like make out with one dude and then be like no actually i like that dude and then be like right. you know what both of you you're on hold i gotta do something more important which right. is saving the world right like which i'm like this is cool i'm i'm into it i'm into those i'm into those vibes so yeah i um yeah i just like ripped into it and started emailing people that i thought were cool um and that's pretty much what's been going on. It's just me at my laptop listening to stuff. And they, do they do they have to like, um, you know, okay what you do, or they're just like however no, well, you want to do. That's the thing. My I have complete creative control. And once the soundtrack is done, they will they then go and use that stuff into the in the movie as well. No. So uh, what the Hunger Games films do is they have score. In the film, yeah. and then they have a soundtrack that accompanies it. Okay. They, they, that's just how they make their films. Okay, um, and so it would be separate... weird to have like present day music kind of anchored to right. something which is like unless it's like in the credits or something like yeah, that. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, yeah. interesting. So that's that's what you're working on mainly right now. That's yeah. That's what I'm kind of putting my putting my hands on. Are you doing songs for the? Are you thinking about the next Lord album at all? I am. Slowly. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I've dedicated a big chunk of time to that next year that I'm cool. just going to like do nothing but just 
do stuff for that project because I miss it, you know, like getting in the studio and doing that rather yeah. than just like having my own opinion in my hotel room alone. Right, right. Because you know? I work best with like other people. Okay. Yeah. Do you feel that? Do you feel like you're a spokesperson for young people, <laughs> for people your age at all? <laughs> well, if I said yes, then they would hate me because they want to speak for themselves. I know that's a bad question to ask. Maybe <laughs> I'm just curious. Like, do you, if you feel like when you're writing lyrics or something like that, do you do you think about how other people will think about them or receive them, or is it really can you stay more inside yourself still? Yeah, I definitely. That would be poison to think about what other people were thinking while I was writing lyrics. And I remember when we were writing Pure Heroine and. We like I had Royals from before, but I didn't have another single, and it was kind of pressing on my mind. I was like, I need. Did you know single? Did you know Royals <laughs> would go on the album the whole time though? Yeah, I'd been. I like that was. I was like, I should do it, you know, because like timing wise, it like was right. In, in the beginning, I was like, no, it shouldn't be, and then I thought about it, and I was like, as a body of work that um, tells the story of this time of my life and being yeah. this age, it would be weird not to put kind of the thing that started me being able to write about that time on there. Like it right. just, in terms of story, it felt important that it was on there for me, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so I like really wanted this other single and I was stressing myself out about it and just like in the studio getting nothing done because when so you, you tell yourself you're, I you're thinking of I need to write a single which is the worst thing ever <laughs> yeah. and of course I wasn't writing anything yeah let alone a single and Joel felt that he knew this too and yeah and Joel I uh, know Joel knew that I was driving myself crazy and wasn't getting anything done and was I, he feeding you tracks at the time like maybe this no one, maybe this one or we don't do that okay he doesn't we we like make everything together okay like he's never come to me with a track and been like can you yeah. write top line because we just don't yeah. like I would there'd be too much about the production that I would want changed, changed yeah because I like, like that's why I'm trying it. to ask you about this shit a lot because I'm, I want to yeah, make sure yeah but what we're doing right now isn't like I don't think that's how it's going to sound if we're it ends the initial up being stages like, yeah what I like to do in the beginning is just write the thing and yeah. then like later we would sit down and I'd be very opinionated good and very difficult that's good but right I, now I I'm just so. struggling with this lyric yeah I'm just trying to get it get it happening mm-hmm. but I like what you're doing in there it sounds good alright good um yeah so I was just like killing myself doing this trying to write this impossible single and Joel was like go home like get out of my studio your, your vibe is so bad right now yeah. like you're not bringing anything and I was like oh, I know and so he sent me home for a week and he was like write a bunch of shit I'm gonna write a bunch of shit little ideas Come back he, so he can't, he'll, what does he write? Like little riffs and little, like... Well, I mean, that was a situation where we definitely... Because we were just in a rut. We had nothing. Yeah. Like, so we went away and tried really hard to just, like... You know, any little riff that came to us in the middle of the night, we were up recording it. Right. Separately. Because we just wanted to have a bunch of stuff to come into the studio with next week. But in general, we'll, like... Like, either I'll have this big lyric and, like have an idea for like a me- the melody for one part or um like he'll read the lyric and he'll say I kind of feel like this would be a cool melody and then I say mm, no I like it more like this and then we'll just like f- 
build the melody together. Got it. Um, but yeah, so, so this instance was different. We just went home and like brought a few ideas to the studio separate of each other. Um, and he had a bunch of, a bunch of like, like the, I think some of them were beats. Some of them were just like little melodies. One was called reindeers of a Baghdad, <laughs> which I was like, Oh my God, we That's have like, good. we've been in the studio for too long. Yeah, like yeah. this is getting crazy. Um, but one of them was this, it was just a melody and it was what would become the acapella intro for team. Okay. Which I don't know if you know it, but it's just like a little vocal. Yeah. Um, he just hummed it into his phone. And I was like, You're talking about cool. the thing that gets lower and lower in, in timbre? Yeah. So, like, just before that, like the okay. lyrics that come before that. Which um, is what? It's not on the album? Wait till you're Oh, announced. yeah, sure. sure. Wait till you're announced. We've not yet lost all our graces. The hounds will stay in chains. Look upon your greatness and she'll send the call out, send the call out, send the call out, send the call out. Yeah, so that bit. I've listened like, to it a million times. Ah, <laughs> well, those, that like 10 seconds of, of music. Okay. And, then, and he was like, it could be cool if it, whatever that last word was, if it kind of. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I love how how the pitch stays the same, but the timbre of your yeah. voice goes down. That's yeah. fucking dope. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Um, and we and, and so he wait, had that he, idea, and I had a lyric, which okay. was, um, which was basically, the whole first and second verse of team. Okay. Um, like minus like half a line maybe, but it was like those two because I liked the idea of like doing this super long song that was just one verse. Okay. And just like visual thing after visual thing. Right. Just build it up Some and build Bob it up Dylan and build shit, it up. Actually, I don't know that you know Bob Dylan very much. <laughs> I, but. I don't know that much Bob Dylan. Lights flicker from the opposite loft In this room the heat pipes just cough The country music station plays soft but there's nothing, really nothing to turn on. But that was that was the idea yeah. that I had, and I just had this lyrical thing that I really liked. But as soon as he played me that, I was like, all right, we're going to go like... Full we're gonna go, We're going to go full hot pink on it. It was yeah. hot pink in my yeah. head. That, that was the color that I could see. Okay. Um, but so that was the second single? And that ended up being the second single, and okay. it came really fast. I saw t- uh, uh, Tennis Course was the first thing I saw oh, anywhere. Yeah. Cool. The video... Oh, yeah. Somewhere in the last summer. Right. I don't remember where I even saw it, but I was like, I was like, this isn't some typical pop shit. I was like, this is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know what happened to that song. It did, like, kind of, it did okay. Yeah. It wasn't as, like, them. sparkly as, like, Team. Right. Team is right. pretty sparkly. Yeah. <laughs> They're all great. It's pretty hot pink. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. And then the, everybody was happy with Team, and that, and that went. Yeah, well, more importantly, I was happy with Team. Yeah. And I felt like I'd filled a hole that the album had had previously. Mm-hmm. You know, so and it was, wasn't just like the Royals being the one hit wonder and then everything else being like mid tempo, like, right, like pretty, like chill stuff. So, so what you're saying is you had everything else. Um, I think at that point, I, yeah, I had pretty okay. much everything else. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That was, yeah, that was, um, I think that was maybe the last song, either the last or the same, the last song from Pure Heroin. 
what do you do totally changing things up what how do you wake up in the morning what do you do what's your routine like in the morning what do you feel like when you wake up do you have a gung-ho mentality initially or do you have to get yourself into that um i'm a really bad i'm just like a when i'm by myself i'm just like a freak like Sometimes I just, like, won't brush my teeth because I don't feel like it. Or I just won't wash my face. Or I won't have a shower. And I'll wake up in the morning and I'll be, like, in my clothes. And I'll have been, like, on Reddit until 4 a.m. or something. Like, just really dirty, gross person. This is borderline, uh, what's his name? The, 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 <laughs> the, 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 the Spruce Goose? Like, Leo, Leo DiCaprio in that one movie? I don't... The, the Aviator? <laughs> I haven't seen it. Anyway. Is he a weirdo? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, like, yeah, that's me. Some of the time. Yeah. Sometimes I really make an effort to be a normal person. <laughs> but are you, are, do you, are you trying to be creative? Oh, um, yeah, I mean, like, at the in the last couple, in the last few months, I've had to be pretty consistently creative because, or be in that mindset because, A, this Hunger Games project and also um, I've been planning this new tour, which has been a lot. A lot of work and been stimulating like all different things that I'm interested in you know thinking about clothing design and thinking about um for yourself on stage yeah and thinking about um like video content and thinking about like how to reimagine the songs live so people that have seen them five times aren't gonna be bored right and thinking about um, lighting and you know just like every little thing that comes along with planning like thinking about um, oh god what else there's so much stuff that I have to do how all do the you time, keep all this like, shit organized in your mind um, it's just really easy for me I think like I was saying it to you before um, I I like plan the shit out of my live before my award show performances and stuff and to the point where I think about camera angles and shots and all that sort of thing and I can just see it I'm just like really visual yeah I can see all that stuff so it's like not too stressful for me like (laughs) this is really weird but like one of the things that I do sometimes when I like have spare time at night or whatever is I'll like lie in bed and like basically imagine like playing the show like the new show that I'm planning Mm mm-hmm Um, and like, and I can see all the lights and I can see like me changing costumes and like, I can see the stage with this like new, these new set pieces that I've been like designing and stuff. I don't have any of these things physically yet, but I can But that's how you play the show. You're imagining them and then you you create the reality out of it. Yeah. And like, I used to do it when I was a kid. My friend started me on this thing where he was like, do you ever, um, have you ever built a house in your head? And just added to it every time you had a spare moment and, like, being able to walk around it and it be your house and be, like, and know every single corner of the house. Um, and I was like, that's so weird. And then I started doing it. And I still have all of these. I still have all of these houses in my head. Do you do from this? From when I was a kid. Can you do this with songs? <sighs> I've never tried or is it, it just songs. visual? It's 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 pretty. It's just visual. Okay. I, I've never done it with a song. I feel like you can't do it with a song. <laughs> you can't like. Well, I, maybe some people can. I have dreams where I write songs. Oh in, yeah, in me dreams. Too. Me too. But I only remember bits but of it's, them. After. But 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 it's. You wake up and you, because you obviously didn't hear it. Mm-hmm. You just. F- have those feelings. Weird. 
like like um like like if you were to have like rubbed your finger against a piece of wood for like a hundred million days and then slowly that wood like had a groove in it right like that's the feeling that I wake up with when I have one of those dreams that there's like that I've like carved that groove right because I can remember the feeling of the song being there that it's gone <laughs> it's somewhere. It's, it's somewhere. Some, it's some, yeah, it's, it, it, they come out. It's I had somewhere. a fucking weird situation where I wrote a line in a dream. I can only remember one line. In the dream, I'll tell you the dream, because right. why not? I'm, I'm, I'm walking up this, there's two staircases. In front of one staircase is this really, like, burly guy that is, like, looks really mean and, and crazy, like a crazy, <laughs> crazy person. Right. And I'm walking with Sunlux, with Ryan. Oh, I love Ryan. And we, and we start to go up that staircase, and the guy's like, uh-uh, not up here. <laughs> and we're like, all right. So we go to the other staircase. It leads up to Ryan's house somehow, and we were going to work on a song together. And I had this lyric in my mind, and I sat down at the piano to uh, figure out chords for it. Mm. And um, you see how I am on the piano. It took mm-hmm. me a while. I'm like, No, you're really good. I'm like, all right, let me figure this out. And like, I'm trying to find the right chords. And Ryan goes to take a shower. Finally, by the time he comes out of the shower, and it's not homoerotic or anything like that, by the time he gets out of the shower, not that there's anything wrong with it, if it was, uh, I, I'm like, okay, it, it, it's B flat to, to uh, D. To D. A long D. Yeah, how'd you know that? That's what she said. Exactly. She did say that. Or I said that in the dream. So it was B flat to D, and, and I could sing the thing in my head. When I woke up, I sang it into my phone. Whoa. Went downstairs. B flat to D That's worked sick. perfectly. Wow! And I I texted it to Ryan, but yeah, That's very weird, very weird. That's never happened to me. I think if I think you have to be good at playing piano and have like, because like, are you good enough that you can look at a piano and like or like imagine yourself playing a chord in your head and hear it? No. Can you do that? Oh, you can't. I mean, in my dreams, or like guitar, apparently, can you I play can. a guitar chord and hear it in your head? No. Ah. No, I'm not. Th- I'm See, not- I feel like that's why it carries. I think in some way, maybe in some ways, uh, I can do that subconsciously somehow. I think. Mm. I reckon um, you can. Like, I think you're good enough for both instruments to be able to, or to have like an understanding. I suck of on guitar. You d- look. You're very <laughs> capable. I can't play any you. instrument really well at all. Do you have any any desires to? Have you thought about like learning how to do? I mean, because like I do, but it's a big old steep mountain to climb. Not really. Keyboards. Are, I can teach you playing piano. And I mean, like I just bought quickly. a couple little keyboards, and I okay. like, already have like gotten okay. Yeah. I mean, they're tiny and they're like toys. But. Yeah, but you, but like if you you write your melody mm. in in your head, and then you come up with your chords on there, mm. make things easier for everybody. Maybe. That's definitely easier. But like guitar, like. Oh, guitar is difficult. Yeah, yeah, I cannot. It's just. Uh, but you don't. Do you like guitar? No. Yeah. See, you don't even like guitar. So no. fuck it. Uh, yeah, but like, I just it would it, it's it'd be an inconvenience to me because I can write faster just using my voice. You know. Right. So I, I'm always like, oh, why should I even bother learning to you, get like try and get better at something else? Right. To the point where I don't just rely on my that, voice. I mean, that's, that's a good I should. Point. It's a very narrow-minded way of looking at but, it. But but it's also a good point. It's like okay follow your with, with what you're good at to the nth degree and don't pick up new shit i mean there's something to be said for that <laughs> it's just lazy <laughs> there's some but you but you're so good at singing and, uh. and and writing writing uh words and melodies but do you do you can you visualize when you're writing a a, a melody what what the music sort of might sound like with it oh yeah for sure yeah. um and can you get that across <sighs> 
I think that I can. I think, like, Joel and I have been working together for such a long time that he has a really strong understanding of what I mean when I say something. And I have no technical terminology. Right. I'm so useless in that respect. But I, like, as soon as a lyric starts to take shape and I have a melody for it, I know exactly how the production should sound. Mm -hmm, Exactly. mm -hmm. And I, like, need it. It it usually does, yeah. Yeah. He's he's that good. Joel is really smart and a really good listener. Um, Mm -hmm. And, like, doesn't just, like gloss over what I say he's mm-hmm. actually like takes it on board and like wants me to be happy with because there are like little things that just kill me and that I hate like what production wise like what? <laughs> what are some of your produ- production um, pet peeves I mean it doesn't even bother me in other people's music but like mine it would just kill me like excessive vocal delay is one mm-hmm. I just that to me seems really like 08 pop just like very like you mean dated. like just saturated on the vocal or you mean tails like um i don't know i'm trying to think yeah just like 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 little reverb t- i mean little delay tails yeah drive, 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 right, drive, right, right. like that makes me want <laughs> yeah. to kill myself yeah and joel's always trying to sneak them in and right like, right because <laughs> it's because as as a producer <laughs> i understand because he wants to fill that space i know i like, know i know i know yeah he totally i mean that's the thing it's like it's not a crazy idea and it sounds fine in so many other people's music. Yeah. And even the other stuff that Joel produces, it sounds great. Right. But just for me, I'm like, it makes my like right. blood Keep curdle. it a little more natural sounding. Yeah. yeah it's, yeah. yeah. That, I mean, that's, yeah, that's my, that's my main thing. Uh, what's, what is, what's, and we'll stop in a second because it's already been a, a, while, oh, a while. How long has it been? An hour. Oh, you serious? <laughs> yeah. It don't feel like it. What have we been doing for an hour? Um, Sitting on the floor. I've been doing all the talking. I'm sorry. No, that's good. That's good. That's what I want. Um, But what's what's next? Do you have like a feel like so? Pure heroin came out. You're a good. You're a good interviewer. You're like closing it up with like so. What's to come? That's what I want to know. Open-ended question. I'm very. I could have asked you that in the beginning. I'm very curious. What like after you saw what what you did for Pure Heroin and how it how it sounds and I don't know what you feel when you listen back to it or if you listen back to it, but. But what do you see next? You mu- as your second album, you must be like fucking. I would be chomping at the bit to like. Oh yeah. Do sure. the next thing and like I would like know in my head like I know exactly what I want it to sound like. You must know, right? See, I don't know what I want it to sound no? like. I just I don't because I like it's important to me that it is a pretty serious progression from what I've done before. Um, and, like, you know, I can write songs in my sleep that sound like what I've already done. Right. Because it's comfortable to me now, and I've done a bunch of it. And even now when I write, I can feel myself slipping back into, like, how I used to write about what's comfortable and yeah. what's safe for me. But, yeah. like, what are you say? It's weird because... Can you do that? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. I have even certain, like, chord progressions. Like, I, like that one mm. that I was coming up with earlier, I was like, wait a second. I wrote something like this before. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, like, like, uh, there must be a lot of pressure because in my mind, if you create something different, there's going to be a lot of people that are like, we want the old, she doesn't sound like what she used to sound like, (laughs) but like, if you do something the The same, same, then I think the reaction will be worse. And like, for me, I'll feel way worse. Yeah, you you have to develop as, as an artist, I feel like, and, and reflect 
the growth that you've had as a person in the time period between the two albums, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think, like, like the stuff that I was listening to when I was 15 and 16 writing that album is different to what I listen to now. And, like, the stuff that I find interesting now. Like, I think a lot. I want to know what those are. <laughs> the early stuff and the new stuff. Well, I think... I but finish think, your thought. I think... A lot of the stuff that I listened to when I was a bit younger was um, easier to digest because I was, like, deep into my pop music love affair and, like, I mean, I still am. You can't come out of that. But, um, no, I was just, like, I, I, I was really into electronic music, which I still am, and I just, I was all about making something that sounded good but was just, like, super accessible. Like, okay. I definitely still want to write pop songs but I've been listening to um I don't know I'm trying to think of like like I'd never listened to Talking Heads when I made Pure Heroin okay and now I've listened to that which is like super good pop songwriting but also like just like a good but unique yeah like a yeah. good weird art pop I would say art pop like a good weird interesting thing that you should listen to if you if you like pop music mm -hmm. but then also like um, I remember being 13 and my best friend absolutely loving De Last in the Comatorium and loving Mars Volta. The what, what? De Last in the Comatorium. De Last in the Comatorium. Like, the classic Mars Volta. Oh, Mars Volta album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, and, and just, like, that just being impossible for me to digest. Like, just finding... You weren't really feeling it. it too, yeah. It, it, it was just, too, too uh, abstract for you or something? Yeah, and it just, like... Yeah, I... I well, I'm, like, a big thing about it, which I still struggle with, is is that vocal tone. Like, it's very... What is it? I, I haven't listened to that much of it. What, is it. what does a vocal tone sound like? Um, shrill? It's it's a little shrill. It's just quite American. Okay. Which is sometimes, but, like, a thing. You like me. my shit, but I'm... So, I fucking love your shit. I'm but so no, it's American, like a different. It's a different type okay. of vocal. I, I like it much more now. But it's, like, an, it's just an example of listening to something and, like, initially not being completely comfortable or, like, casual listening to it, but then, like, coming out of it and being like, I'm glad I had that experience. Right. Because um, it, like, teaches you that, like, conflicting things are, can be nice to listen to, you know? Yeah. It's nice to listen to. So what, what's, what's the hyper-pop shit? What's, what sort of shit was that? Um, I mean, like, whatever was popular back then like when i was a few years ago three four years yeah ago. just like anything pop i mean even further back like whatever's on the radio kind of stuff well what is on the radio but also what was on the radio in 96 so what was on right. the radio oh. in, in oh. 88 or whatever like just like dissecting what good pop writing is yeah and just like try and you need to get the end of that eric church Eric Church, yeah. That's how you told me. I gotta, I, I gotta no, listen I'm to some country. Sort of joking about that. Other than that you one love song. Eric Church. I don't did, even no, act like you Don't say I love Eric Church. You do. That Springsteen one song, by Eric Church. Just Springsteen. Yeah, just Springsteen. Um, uh, uh, yeah, but I, um, when I was like 14, my, my best friend made me go back and like, because he was just like a fiend for pop music because okay. he was a, he was a tenor, and he was all about singing these amazing, like, Timberland, like, JT mm -hmm. melodies that, to me, was just, like, the cultural landscape at the time because I right. was, like, I grew up with this. Like, it's whatever. But then going back and listening and realizing, like, 
You mean like the early JT that you before your time? Well, you even like oh seven JT. Like, yeah. Um, That's a great record, though. Yeah, I mean, like, what comes around goes around. Like all that sort of stuff was so good. All those little interludes, everything off that record. Like, but then like thinking about like getting Nelly Furtado, like like old Kerry Hilson mm-hmm. jams, like just stuff that seemed very kind of commonplace and like not mysterious or cool when I was you know when it was popular but then like going back and realizing that there was value in it okay so flash forward three years what now what's like what's your shit now are you have you gotten more abstract and shit Mm, I just like I try and listen to as much as possible um I mean, it, like, it's stuff as simple as, like, like rediscovering Grace Jones and listening to, like, every Grace Jones song that I could right. find, like, and just realizing that that was, like, really amazing music and just, like, I mean, I give everything a shot, yeah. everything I find, like. How do you find music, just out of curiosity? How do I find music? Um... I don't know. Like, people I, I, telling you about shit, or you, um, like, surf around on Spotify or something? I I do surf on Spotify. I don't have great results on Spotify. I feel like I the stuff I listen to on Spotify is stuff that I have been meaning to listen to for a while. Yeah, same here. Um, no, just, like, your blogs, people talking about it, often, like, people who I work with having either, like, started working with a new artist, or, mm-hmm. like, their artist has gone on tour with a new artist or something, just, like keeping my kind of ear to the ground with all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, all the new, like new finds. Type yeah, yeah. Yeah. With, with new finds. And, um, yeah, I like, I don't know. I just stumble across a lot of that stuff in general. Joel plays me a lot of new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I find a lot of new stuff on SoundCloud. I have like producer friends who, um, you know, who will, will like play me something cool. Um, yeah, I mean, my fans send me cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just, like, try and get it from from wherever, really. I'm pretty, like, I'm pretty plugged in. I'm yeah, de- you it's seem definitely, like, like was, like, a priority for me to, like, be onto new stuff all the time, you know? Yeah. So. I, I, I'm, I'm starting to be, to try to be more that way, but mm. I definitely spent some years. I think it's a years, good thing not to be, honestly. I definitely spent some years, I'm like, only like this because to I, old shit only, you know. Well, that's good. Yeah. I, I'm only like this because I, like, there's something in my head which just, like, makes me never content with something that I have. Like, I have to just, like, That's how I feel now, though. I'm all, I'm, I want that, like, like, and I'm, you know, I'm a rap fan. Mm-hmm. For sure. First and foremost, I guess, mm. just from youth. And I am always looking for that rap record that's like, that's that future shit that, not, I don't mean future the rapper. He's <laughs> Although fine. Although I do love future. He's fine. But, but, <laughs> He's fine. <laughs> but I mean the... Um, no, I know what you mean, for sure. I'm just being honest. <clears throat> I, but, but, but that like... I don't know the the thing that like the first time I heard rap was was uh, Tribe Called Quest Midnight, oh, Midnight Marauders right and first of all and I met Q Tip at your show oh actually. yeah how cool is he <laughs> I freaked out you do lose your mind I lost my mind he's a really yeah. cool guy. I was very nervous <laughs> he could see that um, <laughs> he's probably used to it <laughs> yeah he is I'm sure but but yeah but but like and that the way that that blew my mind I'm always looking for something to blow my mind so like mm. 
and I, I very rarely find it. If I find something that like the beats are super cool and the the rap is cool, it's all it's still so like. And I hate to say this, but like it's hard for me to get with the ethics or something of of like money worship. Like, I, oh yeah, I struggle with that. Like, I'm fine with someone talking about like you know robberies or murders that they had to commit if it's real shit and it's like from their even if it's like dark i'm like <laughs> all right okay but somehow the money worship stuff it gets hard for me to swallow a little bit i don't know that's just me i mean don't look at me i wrote a song about it i know i know <laughs> don't and, then it fucking, and then it blew up like it did so weird so weird don't but you know what? To i don't think anybody knows that you're not just one other one of those songs that's that's like my impression is that like I think I think people I'm not saying everybody but 50% of the people that love that song don't necessarily know exactly where you're going with it or where, you know what I'm saying that it's yeah. a reaction against anyway all right we're we're good I think anything I else you want to say I mean what else do we have to say I tried kombucha today for the first time yeah it was okay, right? It was good. It was yeah. just like cider. And Whole Foods. I took you to Whole Foods for we the did, first yeah, time. Yeah, we did, we did Whole Foods. I got the most unhealthy Whole Foods. Just mac and cheese and fried chicken. That sounds great. And a muffin. That sounds great. A muffin though. the size of my shoulder. Was it good? <laughs> it was delicious. That's a pretty small shoulder, so it wasn't that No, it was, yeah. yeah it was <laughs> like a tennis ball or something. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, All right. I, I've been sitting here in uh, a studio in the Lower East Side <laughs> with Ella, and I'm going to say your name, and I've never, don't tell me, but I've never heard it. I've only read it. Yelich. 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 Yelich O'Connor. Yeah, okay. Yelich yeah. O'Connor. Yeah. Okay. You did. That's fine. Decent. Uh-huh. Uh, in the Lower East Side, and we're going to say farewell. Say farewell to these people out there. Farewell. 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 <laughs> Yes. Oh, I gotta sneeze. Woof. Yes. Okay. The Wandering Wolf Podcast at gmail.com. You can donate to that via PayPal, okay? The uh, at Yoni Wolf on Twitter, at Yoni Wolf on Instagram, cutie puppies in a blender, sexysloth.org, Nigerianpenpal.fun. I'm in, I'm in all these places, usually at Yoni Wolf, okay? So find me there. Okay, stupid, all, all these places. If you like that conversation and this is your first time hearing my show, uh, and I've been there, I think, 67 other ones so far, uh, and, there, and there's more to come. So please, uh, you know, sign up for the show so that it, it, it streams to your podcast app or whatever you have there, however you do it, or if you do it on SoundCloud, uh, you know, join, be a member, and I'm 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 happy to bring these shows to you every week. This is this is an unpaid venture. This is just fun for me. This is this is my pleasure for you. All right, so come back, visit us another time, and uh, as we say here at the Wandering Wolf, keep wandering. You're no. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. (laughs) Or something like that. Not just in Sweden. (laughs) Not just in Sweden. D. To D. A long D. Yeah, how'd you know that? That's what she said. (laughs)
Bring your own lampshade Somewhere there's a party Here it's never ending Can't remember when it started Pass around the lampshade There'll be plenty enough room in jail If being wrong's a crime I'm serving forever If being strong's your kind Then I need help you with this feather Sweet. 